You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Happy Daylight Savings Week, everyone. St. Patrick's Day, David Hall. Hey, hey. And Green, Greg Hectus. Happy St. Patty's Day, guys. Kyle Pendigraf. How's it going, everybody? All right, welcome back. Tony Groves. What up, gentlemen? I sure found my lucky charms this week. And Evan Pasoko. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. On the show today, we'll review an exciting Coke Series race at the Atlanta Motor Speedway with the voice of Ineascar, Evan Pasoko. We'll show you how to get racing tips from Coke Series drivers and previous champion, champion Nick Ottinger and look at ways for iRacing to make improvements. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting Show Notes. So let's see you there. Want to swap to hydraulic pedals but you're worried about leaks? We want to take a moment to tell you about SimCoach's P1 Pro pedals. Their proprietary no-leak technology ensures all fluids stay inside where they belong. They completely redesigned the hydraulic cylinders found on typical pedals and made them spec for sim racing. Designed, machined, and assembled right here in the USA, you can have confidence what you'll get is quality. Backed by a lifetime warranty, there's no reason not to give them a look. Head over to simcoaches.com and use the code iRacersLounge at checkout to save 10% off the total order. Go do it now. First-time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR peak in And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garillo. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Coke Series Atlanta. Boy, what an exciting race. But before the race, uh, Evan, we saw some pretty fancy uh, hardware uh, delivered over uh, to Denny Hamlin's uh, team. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't even sure that they were going to give him official hardware, but uh, the 2311 guys got their trophy for being the uh, team champions in 2021. So it's a, it's a nice looking piece of hardware and certainly um, some motivation. And I think that team championship, since it's got some hardware to it, gives us something, uh, you know, a little bit extra to talk about uh, on the shows this year. But uh, yeah, good inspiration. Uh, they got a good group of guys back. And uh, who says that uh, 2311 can't do it again this year? All right. Yeah. That was pretty neat. Big O trophy, too. 39 drivers tonight. Uh, it was announced no Kyle Pedal in the field. Uh, the pre-race interviews, uh, we had real-life drivers, Rhett's Laugh and Honeycutt, and they kind of focused on those guys. Obviously, Coke drivers, but Rhett's Laugh kind of surprised everybody showing up uh, at an Xfinity race uh, at Phoenix, and uh, that was a, a really neat uh, surprise. And then Honeycutt is running late models as well. 
Yeah, and funny enough, they're both rookies uh, in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, and they both drive for the same team um, in Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing. But yeah, Parker made his uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series debut last weekend at Phoenix Raceway, and Caden's been been working up uh, some of the late model ranks as well. I mean, we've seen Parker do the same thing um, as well in years past, but um, kind of funny that the least experienced drivers in the field right two of our seven or whatever rookies um are, are doing some pretty serious real life racing and yeah that that was kind of an oddity six seven years ago in this series right you had a couple guys who did some legend stuff a couple guys who did some short track stuff obviously we know ryan luza um does a lot of the uh the late model stuff as well uh but uh, i think it's going to be more and more common as um you know this series matures and you know five years from now i think more than half the field is probably going to have some level of real life experience and super cool to see parker get that opportunity uh, to drive an xfinity car yeah absolutely uh nick ottinger uh three for three on polls this season he started up front with matt busa uh but it was early trouble at uh lap four uh, when the Roush uh, Fenway teammates get the worst of it, it was caution with Caden Honeycutt, uh, Bardo, and others. They were around um, uh, in turn four. And Blake pointed this out. How many times this year have we seen teammates right get together? And I mean, it's so early in the race too. Um, you know, obviously we're on the uh, the old configuration of Atlanta. Um, so it's not that indifferent than a Vegas. Obviously, it's a much wider racetrack. It's a much more worn-out surface. Um, but uh, short races, guys are pushing. I mean, it's still a learning curve, uh, even for drivers in the Coke Series. And, you know, especially when you look at the team aspect, you just you can't be getting into your teammate uh, if, at all. But, you know, four laps into the race, certainly uh, even that much more embarrassing. All right, we got a restart lap nine. It was Ottinger, Zelinski uh, up front. Um, as they were going, we got an interview with uh, one of the Coke owners, Kyle Long. Uh, nice to hear from him, and he, he really wanted to talk about his new rig, uh, his driving setup, and really his love for iRacing. Yeah, and Kyle Long is... Uh you know, such a super cool guy. Not only is he involved, um, you know, with the motorsports team in the Coke series, but, uh, you know, he just has fun on the sim as well. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, our um, Jim Beaver Esports eShort course stuff's been airing on CBS Sports, and Kyle came out and raced in one of those. Um, he is super involved. And, uh, you know, I know way back when, a couple of years ago, um, when he first officially was a part of the series, um, I mean, he was, you know, always around, um, you know, we did a bunch of those NASCAR shows, um, kind of through the spring and summer of 2020. And he was on those every week talking about the Coke series, right? Like, I mean, he's not just a name signed on to a team. I mean, it's something that he's super passionate about, not only, uh, in the fact that he has teams and drivers involved in some of this stuff, but he just loves driving too. So, uh, yeah, he's a super cool guy to have, uh, invested in sim racing for sure. Yep, and as this run uh, moved along, uh, they got strung out. Uh, no rubber down. You know, a lap 32, they were strung out a bit. Uh, passing was at a premium, um, if not impossible at some point. Um, Kevin King said, there's one groove, the bottom is junk. Um, someone else said, the top side has more off-corner speed, but the bottom allows for tire saving. Ottinger was able to run low and save some, but Busa was running in the cleaner air on the top. But uh, someone else said it's virtual gridlock right now. 
And, and at this point, we had a, a little bit of a green flag run, right? So drivers utilizing that inside line actually had a legitimate opportunity to save a little bit on tires. Uh, but certainly it was a gamble to go low, right? Um, it reminded me a lot of when you're racing at a plate track and everybody single file in the real world up on the outside, right? You can go to the bottom. It's going to be the shorter way around the corner. You can certainly make up some ground on entry. But then either someone's got to go with you to help or you need to clear somebody and then find a spot up in line. And there were some drivers who were able to make the bottom work certainly better than others. Um, but for the most part, drivers really didn't want to risk it because you go down there and you don't find an opening, you lose four or five spots. Other drivers felt like it was a little bit better to just maintain position up top, especially when we're not even halfway into the race yet. As we get down to green flag stops, it's Garrett Mains, lap 43, and others on pit road. Uh, lap 49, Nick Ottinger pits from the lead. We, we hear a penalty for Colin Keister for speeding. Uh, at 42 to go, Nick Ottinger takes the net race lead. There's still some people out, but uh, but the people he pitted with, he comes out ahead of them. Um, and then as we're waiting for Alan Bowes to pit, uh, the battle for that lead you know, shifted up from Briar LaPrade over to Ottinger and Zielinski, and then caution. It was Derek Justice. Oh, my gosh. This was something else. He's on the apron. Like, oh, the leaders are coming. I'm junk. I'm getting out of the way. I'm going to get off the track and let these guys go by. So he goes to the apron, but he's not slow enough. And he comes up into the track and takes out some heavy hitters, including Luza, Conti, Bordeaux, and Bowes, uh, and, and more. I mean, it was crazy. And Derek obviously knows uh, what went wrong there, right? He doesn't need the lecture from me, but certainly, um, you know, the age-old saying goes, the, the road to hell's paved with good intentions. He was trying to give them an incredible amount of room, right? Like, he could have just held the bottom and made them deal with it, could have gone to the outside, and it probably would have put us in some kind of sketchy two- or three-wide situations. He really genuinely wanted to just get out of the way. It's just a tough deal, man. I mean, listen, I'm sure that's happened to all of us once or twice in a hosted race or a carb cup race at a time. Just unfortunate for Derek, the time of that one, but uh, not his proudest moment. Obviously no intent on his part. Just one of those weird things that happens. And that kind of changed the entire tone of the race because, you know, we're through a green flag cycle of pit stops at that point. You got a couple drivers. You talked about Laprad, then not Zelensky to mix as well, kind of racing back up on each other in the battle for the net lead. Uh, based on, you know, who pitted first to get that track position. I mean, it was really turning into an engaging strategy battle, and uh, then it kind of threw everything back into the blender for a crazy second half. Yeah, and Greg, you were the first one to say, um, man, cut this guy a break uh, because and, and don't give him a hard time about it because we've all been there. What did I do? Sorry, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> when Derek Justice uh, came oh, up off the apron yeah. and took out those guys. Yeah, it is, it, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, stuff happens. Hey, can I uh, ask a quick question? Um, you guys are always really good on the, sh on the race broadcasts about interviewing drivers after incidents. You know, they might be uh, a little hacked off or something like that. You had uh, Mike Conti on after that incident. Um, did, did you guys ask Justice to not be on, or did he request to not be interviewed after that? Because uh, I would have thought he would have been interviewed. Yeah, so that's um, so that's our pit road team. That's you know in the in the radio channels. We got like six, seven people that are just kind of in all the radio channels, just kind of listening in, feeding info to James for his pit reports. And then anytime there's an incident, 
we're, we uh, drew our producer and our director kind of send somebody down to drag him. My guess would be uh, that he just left the team speaker, didn't respond. Because obviously, if we could talk to him, we would want to. And again, I think he was just... Uh, my guess is, again, I'm, I wasn't on the Pit Road channel, but I, I, I assume we didn't have him because uh, he probably just uh, turned it off and went for a walk after that one. Now, post-race, Justice did get on Twitter and say, my bad, I'm going to sit myself down for the next race. before The admins don't even need to do it, is what he said. And yeah, and you know, to your point, I mean... He knows he screwed up, right? I mean, he's not the first one to to do that, you know, in a, in a high I racing level. I mean, he's not even the uh, the first one to do that, you know. If you compare it to some of the top level of Cup, we've seen some people um, screw up on pit road and and mess up the pack and mess up faster cars. So, just a tough break. Not Derek's proudest moment, but but not representative at all of you know him as a driver. And uh, he'll pick up the pieces, and uh, hopefully he doesn't let it bug him too much. Uh, he, and he can go out there and dig in a couple of weeks, and we'll see a good run out of him. Absolutely. Um, Ray Alfala leads. Uh, he stayed out. Uh, Bobby Zelinski is alongside on fresh tires. Uh, Bose uh, catches a hell of a break and will be third. Uh, Nick Ottinger, who had dominated, would be fourth for that restart. Um, and then 29 to go, Salas takes second from Ottinger, uh, 28 to go. Contact in the back. Looked like Garrett Main just got sent into the grass. Yeah, tough break uh, for Garrett there. And again, you know, this race, not that like even on that long green flag run when we got to pit stops. I mean, even then, people weren't really like super spread out. I mean, it was still pretty condensed, but... You know, you, you get a restart. People are making moves. We're, we're fighting for the lead. We're fighting in the pack. And, and people are just going to get caught out. I mean, I, I don't even think that's as much a product of the car as it is just a product of restarts inside of 30 to go. And unfortunately, Garrett gets caught out. We had a couple of other near incidents that, uh, you know, almost as well brought to a caution flag. So uh, there was a couple of those close calls. They all didn't bring out yellows. You know, Garrett going through the grass as well. But uh, there was a lot of people back in the pack, you know, getting loose, bouncing off each other, getting into the fence, losing spots. I mean, it, it was pretty chaotic, which uh, didn't really surprise any of us. Yeah, you know, 30 to, down to 15 to go. We really see who the players are. It's Steven Wilson. He's cutting through traffic, and he's up to third place, 27 to go at that point. Uh, 20 to go. Nick Ottinger's back up to second, 14 to go. It was three wide for the lead. Graham Bolin, Stephen Wilson, Bobby Zelinski. Uh, Bolin ends up with it. Uh, some great racing going on. Well, and this is, you know, we, we look back to early in the race when everybody up front. Yeah, you had two or three guys fighting for the lead. Um, but, you know, you got a little bit further back and everybody just kind of stayed high. I think this at the end kind of showed that those guys were, were really just biding their time because it was a full on five, six car battle for the race lead. I mean, everybody uh, was t having runs and taking looks and throwing blocks. I mean, uh, it showed that when, when everybody was willing to push in a late race situation like that inside of 15 to go, uh, you had options. Uh, that, does that mean that the inside was great? No, but, you know, people could go down there, throw a slide job, park the bus. I mean, <laughs> Stephen did that several times, even leading up to this point in the race. And that's uh, in part how he was able to get a lot of his track position was being aggressive. Yep. And then Ottinger sneaking back up into second around seven to go. And at five to go, a caution as Matt Busa gets spun by Kerwin. Uh, he saves it, though, a perfect 360, but we're going to overtime. It's a nice little six save. Uh, 
you know, certainly could have been worse if we chunked a bunch of race cars. Boost is not happy about it because, uh, you know, I, I think that I had noted about like two laps before that it might have even been um, Wilson. I forget who, but somebody pulled right up in front of uh, Busa there and Busa lifted cut him a break and then you know like a lap later uh, Casey just doesn't cut Matt a break at all and, and just turns him and listen it's late in the race you're not uh, inclined to cut anybody a break but it's not like Busa pulled up in front of him uh, I think Casey was was just a, being a little bit too aggressive there and, and really wasn't thinking all that much and just kind of drove through his left rear so fortunate that Busa doesn't get his night uh, you know completely ruined by it to that point because he stays in this thing and becomes one of the drivers involved in the fight for the race win on the next restart. Yeah, he obviously didn't have enough damage. To, uh, he was still able to contend. Um, so we set up an interesting scenario here. The top six stay out. The rest have tires. Um, and then it's caution. And oh, my gosh, who would it be? Donovan Strauss. I mean, this guy cannot catch a break. I think it's every week he gets wrecked. And I, I bet if you ask him, he'll tell you exactly that. He'll probably tell you it's two or three times a week, right? I mean, it's it's just the way it goes sometimes. And, uh, you know, of course, at this point in the race, um, you know, there's there's a big strategy playing out with the tires, right? You got the top six on old tires. You got seventh and eighth on two fresh tires. You got ninth on back on four fresh ones. And uh, a caution not necessarily bad for the guys who stayed out because it takes a bunch of green flag laps out of this thing. And pushes us to overtime. Yeah, so overtime restart number two. Uh, Graham Bolin and Stephen Wilson leading the field. Uh, Nick Ottinger was coming real hard on the outside. He had a huge run. Uh, Wilson's in the middle, but he actually moves up to block Nick, and Nick touches the wall just a bit and loses his momentum. But then Nick gets touched by Busa as they fight for the middle, but recovers, gets shuffled, and slid a little bit. Wilson's leading. He moves up to block Bolin, and then Bolin then pushes Wilson just a little bit uh, and gets Bolin clear, uh, getting Bolin clear as Bolin and LaPrade, who came out of nowhere, LaPrade, uh, collide with Busa, who was just kind of trying to go right up the middle there. And they all wreck behind him, and it's Steven Wilson for his first win. And super cool to see Steven get the checkered flag. Um, you know, he's had so many good runs, but without that touch with uh, Ottinger and Busa, Nick Ottinger is going to win that race. I mean, he has got so much speed in one and two. It doesn't matter if they were already two, three wide in front of him. He had so much speed, he could have put that race car anywhere and cleared them before they even got the three. But Busa pushes up that little bit. You mentioned it loosened up Nick Ottinger. He slides back, falls out of the fight. Um, and ends up finishing, uh, you know, just behind those guys in fourth. And then it comes down to a three-horse race, right? You talked about Wilson's clear. He has the lead in the three and four. Obviously, Boos has got a big run, but he can't go anywhere because Steven's doing a great job of just parking the bus on the bottom. So Boos is kind of forces his way up. You know, he gets into uh, on the outside line with the Grand Bowling. They wrecked for second. And they wrecked for like eighth and 17th. And a lot of cars uh, wrecked across the start finish line. But the second those cars behind him got together in four, we had the onboard shot with Steven Wilson up in the bottom right corner. He's already fist pumping as he comes off a of four. As soon as they got together, he knew that he's got it. Uh, his first career eNASCAR win and the 60th different winner in Coke Series history. And well-deserved. I mean, he was knocking on the door last year. I remember we talked about him in several races where he was contending. And so I'm not surprised to see him win early in the season. Um, Graham Bolin, you know, he had a great race up front there. He ends up 12th. 
uh, Femi Olat, he was went actually flying across the line, uh, 20 feet off the ground or something at the line, finishing 14th. Well, a lot of people, you mentioned Stephen Wilson's run last year, right? Um, evidently wasn't a run that went to the postseason, but still had six top fives, still had nine top tens. Those are numbers that are better than a majority of the field that made it to the playoffs. So the issue for Stephen Wilson isn't, you know, having good runs. It's when he's not a top five car, when he's not a top 10 car, what can he do on an off night, right? This week doesn't answer that question because he had a top five car and he did something he couldn't do last year, and that was get the race win. But his nine top tens last year was tied for second most. His six top fives was tied for second most in the series, and he didn't even make the playoffs. So now that he's got this win, that's a huge weight lifted off his back. Don't be surprised if Stephen Wilson uh, is there contending for a spot at Phoenix at the end of the year. Yep. Uh, Dead zone is looking pretty good right now. Um, Great race. Good, really good racing at the end. That last exchange in the last couple laps uh, was pretty cool. Uh, Abusa was right there and, and everyone could just taste it. And then, like I said, LaPrade, he just came out of nowhere. I wasn't even aware that he was in the mix and boy, he was right there. Just goes to show uh, that you just need to be close, right? Just be in the conversation at the end to have a shot. All right, Evan Pasoko, thanks for coming on. Let's talk about the future. What do we got next time? Well, it's going to be our first uh, short track challenge for the next-gen car, right? We've learned a lot at Daytona, Vegas, and Atlanta. Um, it's going to be a while till we're back to a big track, right? Um, we go to Richmond in two weeks' time. That's going to be on Tuesday, March the 29th. You can tune in at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time for the Countdown to Green Prix Ratio. Of course, uh, Green Flag Racing starts a little after 9 Eastern, um, but we haven't seen a points race yet with these cars in a short track. So we're going to see how much of a difference they are compared to what we saw out of the Gen 6 last year. Um, you know, some drivers even who had good finishes at Atlanta were kind of talking post-race like, hey, I really wanted to get something out of Atlanta because I don't know what I'm going to have on that short track package yet. So there's some questions on how this package is going to drive there. And then even just kind of a broader outlook, you got Richmond, the short track. Then we got the Bristol dirt race. Then we got Dover, another short track. So uh, it's going to be a lot of short track racing. We're going to learn a lot over these next three weeks, like we have over the course of the first three rounds of the season. And by then, by the time we get to our next big track, Kansas in May, Charlotte, right? A lot of big race tracks from that point on. So if you're a short course specialist, if you're not a fan, or maybe just haven't figured out these new cars at the big tracks, next three weeks are going to be big for you. All right, Evan, thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to that one, uh, and we'll talk to you then. Anytime, guys. We'll talk soon. So, Mike, uh, what's better than uh, one new 87 car? How about two for one? We have a two for one deal. Uh, Dell Jr. actually tweeted that he has updated the 87 Buick template, and it now includes the Osmobile from JS Racing 61, and it includes two headlight configurations. Now, this tweet is actually from Big Evil Design. So is that actually Jr.? No, I think it's just some painter who uh, came up with it. Uh, you know, Jr. got mentioned, and... Uh retweeted it you know 
The next time I, I know, I do know the next time I run an 87, it'll, it'll be the Buick because that was the first car I owned. We talked about that before y'all mentioned it actually last week while I was away, uh, but pretty neat little thing. Eh? So what's neat about this tweet though, is it has a link to Google drive where you can find the template uh, for creating the Oldsmobile basically. So if you're a painter out there, you know, and you want to run, you know, this second car, you need the template. Um, and so this is where you get it. So go find on Twitter, you know, big evil designs. It's pretty sweet though. Like just to have, you know, it's, it's a subtle thing, but at least, you know, it gives another option. Yeah. And, you know, I think like Will told us before, you know, that's one of the reasons Dale Jr. picked this car was, you know, he had said that that was one of the reasons because it could be painted as two different ones. Well, the the next number we have is seven, and it's seven ways to improve iRacing, Brian. Yeah. So uh, this came from a YouTube video from uh, Matt Malone who's you know one of the streamer extraordinaires in iRacing and he posted a video in seven ways he would like to improve on iRacing um, so I actually wrote down uh, I watched the video I wrote down some of the things he says and I'll read them out and uh, see what you guys think about them real quick so first of all he thinks would be a great idea is a Nurburgring series so it'd be like a 13-week season the track every week is Nurburgring just the cars change from week to week. So, you know, one week it might be a GT car, the one, next week it might be a formula car. So who knows? Um, so uh, that was one his first idea, which I think is pretty cool because that's such a unique track and so big. It's something that, uh, the, you know, the cars are completely different from one to the next. And uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a way for people to get to learn that track more and maybe boost some participation in it. Well, there's also different configurations of that track as well, is there not? I think if you run the full ring, you run the full ring, and it's either that or the GP circuit. Right, you can do the GP, the uh, or the whole 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 deal. Uh, well, I thought I thought it was like a it's like a 15 mile freaking track. They could probably carve out like you know 12 or 15 different types of configurations. That'd be a hell of a season. Yeah, but it, it runs through a mountain, so. It's you kind of set basically <laughs> on that. It runs through a bunch of mountains. Well, yeah. there you go. It shows you how much I know. <laughs> it's it's pretty much a one 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 track uh, configuration, other than the GP track. Yeah. Well, well I, I thought think it was that's a good something. idea, though. Well, I still think it's a good idea, though. Go ahead. If you run week thirteen, any of those series, what do they do? They have they'll they'll have a certain car running and change the track every every day. So it, um, it's a nice reverse idea. It, and I, I wonder how easy that is to implement because there's other certain things that, that have to be locked in for a season that they can't, they don't seem to be able to change. All right. Uh, so I'll move on to number two. This is a kind of a quick hit. He just, he just thinks that achievements and rewards need to be updated. It was something. It was a story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with a guy who uh, who wasn't really happy with uh, the iRacing awards and and their achievements. They're they're difficult to find in the navigations, and a lot of people don't even know that they exist. So uh, yeah. that's something he he recommended. Bravo! iRacing has achievements and awards. <laughs> they need to. Uh, yeah. He, he was onto something, right? Like, you know, 9,000 IR in road. Like, come on. Not many are going to achieve that. So maybe, like, add a few other and maybe make them a badge so you can put them on your car and kind of show them off. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. So uh, that's something that he uh, he thought that Iris can do. Um, the next thing he suggested that to make the pace car non 
a selectable on replays and stuff. So if you're, I know I, this happens to me all the time. If I'm rewatching the end of a race or something and I'm flipping through the drivers, it keeps popping me back to the pace car sitting in the sitting in pit road or something like that. It's, it is a little annoying. He thought maybe it's something that they could make a, make a, something you could turn on or off the pace car as being a selectable uh, replay view. So you mean you're watching a, a race and you're hitting the C key which changes the car that you're looking at, right? So as you hit the C like 10 times or 20 times, however many times going through all the drivers, after you've gone through all the drivers once, it'll stop on the, the pace car as one of the drivers. So he's saying, let's not stop it on the pace car. Let's skip the pace car. Correct. And even if, you know, if the cars are on the track and I'm, I'm watching a replay of something that might have happened and I'm going from driver for I'm going driver forward, you know, we like going through the field one car by one car. It'll pop into the pace car, um, especially if you're near the uh, start finish line. So, yeah, that is kind of annoying. And, and I don't understand why that has to be there. Um, so I think that's a that's a pretty good suggestion, too. Um, so the next thing he went on to say is. They should finish some of the tech tracks. He specifically mentioned New Jersey uh, Speedway Park, um, which you know is is unfinished as far as the uh, surroundings and all that. Uh, and the point he makes is that you know they they redid uh, Long Beach and they always said that that was going to be just a tech test uh, a tech track, um, and that you know they've done some fantasy stuff that is not real real track. So why not? You know, just add the highlights to make a track like New Jersey uh, a, a more polished track. That was a good one because kind of like, yeah, what's the point of even having them if you can't really do anything with them except go out there and run around? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've actually uh, been to that that track in real life, New Jersey, and I've actually raced on it in a in a twenty four hours lemons trick race, and um, it's it's a nice track track and it's fun to drive on i think i think if they just go ahead and and bite the bullet and not worry about uh like all this extra work that goes into making it an official track it'd be something a lot of people can would really enjoy well i want to say that when tech tracks were first announced i thought the idea was this is a temporary thing to get it out to the public until we finish it and and i think what matt malone is saying is you're not finishing it yeah, it's been a while since that because you know, I, I practiced on this track in iRacing before I went and did that race. And um, it was still, obviously, it was a Trek Tech track then. And that was, I don't know, that's probably eight, nine years ago, something like that. So it's been a long time since that that, that track has been sitting there unfinished. So uh, the next thing he mentioned was that um, if he's in a race session and say uh, you uh, you finish your qualifying, you might be going through your setups, you're looking at your garage, you're making changes, you're not watching the countdown to go green because once you're in that garage, that countdown to green disappears. So he said he's actually had situations where he's he's been messing with setup changes and then he goes to a grid and it was too late. He missed this grid and wound up having to start in the pits. So he thinks that there's a way, it should be a way to, to uh, show that countdown screen while you're making these changes. Yeah. When you hit pit or the setup screen, it comes up a kind of in the middle and it erases the bars on the top and bottom that have information. 
he's he's saying just leave those bars there, you know, so we can see you know how much time is left before the next you know thing. Brilliant, brilliant. That's a good point. So, um, uh, next thing was uh, he thinks that the championship points should be more accessible. So, if you're if you're running in a series like NIS or we, one of the twelve week seasons, and and you're running for points, he think you uh, he he mentions that you can't do it really from the UI. You have to go to the website page. It's not really easy to find. And, <laughs> this and is a mic peeve. So, pet peeve um, you've had for yeah. you forever. So yes, and that was that was, and he uses the U, the uh, web page, not the UI. So uh, that was one of the points he said. You know, if you're going to make these championship uh, series uh, a thing, make the points more accessible and easier to find and easier to, to check through. I think stats is probably the weakest thing on i racing. You know, it's just it's so hard to. And and I don't know if we have it on the script or not. I, I don't know if I put it on there, but Nick Neben did a video where he went over his stats and it was almost comical to hear him try to struggle to figure, you know, find the numbers he was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Another good point by Matt. And uh, finally, uh, number seven, and this was kind of a, um, one that's more of a, uh, just a nitpicky kind of uh, thing for graphics and stuff. So he thinks, now, now Matt's a, a road racer, so when he does these races, uh, all the cars grid up, you know, in their pit bo- pit lanes on the track. And he thinks that um, it looks a little unrealistic if you're doing, like, videos and stuff like because all the cars are lined up so perfectly on that grid, you can tell it's a computer-generated. He said there's no reason why you can't just make some randomization to it. You know, one car is a little bit to the left of his pit stop, one's to the right. And that little bit of randomness will add a, a little bit better, um, you know, realistic look to a, a, a set of cars gridding up on a track. What happens if the uh, code gets broken and a car sitting up sitting there on pit road upside down? Well, I'd rather do it what like F1 did does where – they they have the gar- the cars on the grid. They roll off and they do one in- installation lap and then grid up. That's what we should do. Do you know how bad irises are even getting lined up for pace laps? <laughs> <laughs> how many how many incident points have you got lining up for pace laps? Could you imagine like how many cars are wrecked because the first imagine the first time it's implemented, nobody knows about it. And they all kind of go off the grid to do the formation lap and they launch like it's an actual start <laughs> and just like run people over. Or you get some yes. guy who parks it in, you, in where your spot is and, you, and he won't move. And, you know, and, and do you know how long at a track like Le Mans it takes to, to make a pace lap? Well, we want yeah, realism. I guess, yeah. It would be interesting there. There, there are some places where, real, where realism isn't worth it. And this is, I think, one of them. Especially driving a whole pace lap just to line back up. And- Nurburgring. <laughs> Imagine doing that. What if I, you got DQ'd before you got back to the line on the formation because of the uh, incident, incident points? <laughs> Did we cover the video? I, I actually, um, I think maybe it was Matt. It was either Matt Malone or Jimmy Broadbent did a video in like literally the first car ever made, right? The, the very first automobile that was like a, two stroke oh, just yeah, the same thing and he, he did the Nurburgring in like an hour <laughs> there were some places where he actually had to turn it sideways because it didn't have enough power to go up the hill he had to zigzag the, the hill serpentine up the hill <laughs> so uh, so yeah so 
cool. Matt, Matt's a great uh, YouTube streamer, and um, he's got some good ideas. Um, and I'll throw it out to you guys. Do you guys have any uh, any thoughts about some changes iRacing could make? You know, he comes from it from a road size. We come at a lot of a, a lot of us come from a, 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 a oval side of it. Well, my biggest pet peeve is is the um, the fact that guys that are getting damage fixed and come out like right in front of the pace car are getting put in front of cars that were already out on the field, penalty cars and stuff like that. Once you wait that long to come out, you should effectively be a penalty car. Yeah, I think, David, that's I think a good this point. might be a good thing to add to our Discord as a discussion too, Mike. Yeah, good idea. A poll. That's a that's a good point, David. And I think in general on ovals, the black flag can be uh, adjusted some. Because I got a black flag the other day, you know, just pulling into the pit road. And, you know, I, I was behind the car that I was supposed to be, but it said that I passed it before I guess I got to the start of pit entrance and I got a passing under yellow. And, um, you know, that's that shouldn't have happened. I mean, I, I wasn't gaining any positions by doing that. Um, so I think black flags in general need to be addressed. Um, I think... Um, is there is there there's really not a way for like the driver on a restart to select the top or bottom line? I think that's something that uh, maybe could be implemented. We do that in our league series, but I don't think you can really do that in uh, open races and, and official stuff. I want to see the choose cone come in. Yeah, yeah. Every track with the uh, super speedways, like they do in real life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Just just like they do in real life. Could you just imagine though that shoes come with some of the guys walking going around out there? I think it would just be as bad as Mike's formation lap. <laughs> well, I think worse because people are not going to know which one to pick. Because you know, in in real racing, you know that you have spotters saying uh, how many are high, how many are low, counting for you. If you don't have that, you don't. You might not know, and you just freeze. You know, at the cone, and then start backing up the people behind you. Who knows? I, I'd like to see it too, but. I'm not sure how easy it would be due to implement without causing uh, carnage, you know? The poor uh, sim sim racing apps or crew chief uh, software engineers are going to be getting the requests of floods where when it starts, the car goes by, it goes high, low, high, high, low, low, high. Well, that'd be a very easy JRT app to do, right? Where you just see the numbers going up as you're coming through. Yeah. Well, what about this uh, big announcement that we got coming up, Greg? Well, we do. We actually we we got the full announcement. This is just the the tweet. Yeah, we didn't update uh, the script, but if you check the Twitter uh, and look at their most recent, Greg, you'll see the announcement. Yeah. So we'll, the first thing that we're showing here on the actual uh, our 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 website is the CarQuest Auto Parts uh, Twitter page. Went uh, love iRacing. You're uh, going to want to follow us for a big announcement uh, before the end of the week, and then it's kind of showing the soon logo with it ripped on the screen um so then if you go to the actual other one they've announced that they are going to they're that they're welcoming uh the world they're going to be sponsoring the world of outlaws sprint cup series or sprint car series on iRacing, which is really sweet um and excellent to get the, these uh companies on board yeah absolutely um their title sponsor um, it's neat to have a new title sponsor in sim racing that hasn't been with us before. Um, that's cool. Uh, part of their tweet says that you can get their logos and colors and whatnot um, as well. And uh, if you're wanting to do paints. That, uh, that, car, that car that they have there is pretty uh, sweet design too. Yeah, there's some pretty good looking paints. 
as far as I know, there's no announcement of like purse or anything like that. Does, when does this series start? Unknown. But, uh, well, you know, at least they don't wait around like Thrustmaster. I mean, did Thrustmaster ever release a product for what they were talking about? <laughs> they released a bunch of uh, teasers. They're still doing that, No they? actual product. I think one was coming up soon. I'm walking to that. Before they release it, it's going to be out of date. Now, CarQuest did it right. I mean, they, they teased this for, what, a couple weeks? And then, boom, they have an announcement. Great. I mean, that's how it should be done. Well, we were... You know, we every time this kept coming up, we had a discussion in our messenger about what do we think it's going to be, and this was one of the picks, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, uh, next up, this is kind of a follow-up on last week. Um, Race Beyond Matter posted another YouTube video discussing the drama that arose after last week's sarcastic sim racing addiction videos from the sim racing YouTubers out there. Uh, Dave Cam and and others, and um, you know, just just pointing out to his fans and his followers, you know, this is sarcastic. Even though you know we played it straight, uh, a lot of people don't get that. I, you know, sarcasm doesn't co- go over well, I guess, in video. Um, but anyway, he had a follow up about it, and it was interesting to watch. Is it just me, or is it worse when you have to explain? That you're being sarcastic too like it just it's people need to just relax right right it was so bad that you know that one guy had to you know, take his video down because he was sick of seeing people talking you know crap to him so what happened was the the, the armand ham sandwich guy i guess is how you say his name he uh he was basically you know saying something about one of the other streamers um boosted media the will ford guy in a jokingly sarcastic way you know and and then the commenters were basically coming after him like you're beating up on will ford you know we're coming after you kind of thing and and so this guy was basically saying no you know they're friends he meant no harm i promise you he meant no harm by it It was a joke you know And, and that's basically what he was saying in the video Okay, Tony, we got iRacing in the winner's circle. So, uh, yeah, we got Carson Voppel uh, in the iRacing uh, racing scheme on the uh, driving for JR Motorsports in the late model and took it to the winner's circle at the old North State Nationals for a $3,000 prize. Brothers won, I think, right? So the Quapples, there's Carson, and then there's another one. I, I forget that the other one's name. And they're both in the Cars Tour, and w- one of them won the main race, and one of them won one of the preliminary races. So basically, yeah. they slap the iRacing colors on these cars, and, and these guys are winning with it, because we see the iRacing in the winner circle a lot. Now, um, I watched Dale junior download uh video a part of it uh today and he was talking about these boys and and how proud he is of how how well they're doing so well well it doesn't doesn't hurt to have dale junior motorsports behind you i'm sure you're getting top equipment and you're probably getting uh, all the best drivers want to drive for you so um, yeah that always helps quite a bit but Still, you gotta you gotta go out on track and make it happen. So, congratulations! And I think I think we just had the story last week that this uh, announcement was made for uh, Carson Quaffle to be on this team. 
Right. They so win he's the already, first week. Already cashing in, yeah. Well, not only that, this program that uh, Junior Motorsports is running with these cars, like, they race everywhere. Like, I don't think they miss a race. They're on track a lot, so. I feel like well, deja vu here. It's like we talked about this already. <laughs> How do you like your eggs, David? Well, you know, uh, particularly, I like to make an omelet. Um, scrambled is good, too, but nothing like, a, nothing like a good cheese omelet. Maybe throw in some ham in there. But... Um, the uh, eggs and eye racing. We have this topic next. It's uh, Alex Duclos. He asked in the forums, or he mentions that him and his teammates are having a discussion, and he thinks that there's probably a farmer's market advertisement at a dirt track, but he doesn't own them all. And he uh, asked if anyone could settle the debate or mention if there are eggs in eye racing or an, an image of an egg. Hmm. I didn't notice any. Um, I've never happen to see any in any of the billboard signs um but i i don't have all the tracks and i don't run them regularly enough to notice um there was a lot of a lot of funny comments uh in the uh in the replies to this with uh puns about eggs and stuff like that and chickens and whatnot yeah i replied as well i'm thinking maybe he was talking like the easter egg like the steve meyer dale jr hidden at every track thing that's an easter egg right isn't there an wasn't there an Easter egg with like a billboard or something? Like that had a spicy thing, a spicy take on one of the strip joints or something like that, one of the billboards? It was a yeah, phone number. That. It was oh, a phone number was. where somebody called the number and it was an adult adult uh, phone number. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. You see, we don't get those type of things in this as much like that's more of a video game type thing more than, you know, for a sim like this, right? Well, it, he wasn't going for an Easter egg. He's actually looking for an egg. Is it for yeah. a certain track? Like, is a certain track got a farmer's market on it? Yeah, the, a lot of the local dirt tracks that are probably in the sim. Um, you know, some of the some of the billboards are are just local advertisers. And you know, if you're out in the middle of a uh, of farmland, you know, it might be something that you would you would invest in a billboard if you're a farmer's market. Maybe, maybe he's seen an egg shaped one somewhere before, but um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen one, but uh, now, it's interesting. Now scroll Are down and see the post from Tina sparkle on this. And uh, Tina points out, Hey, we have a, a user in iRacing, a driver that's named moist eggs. Oh, <laughs> that's so gross. The title idea. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the title. Um, the other thing, Mike, I mean, could he be talking about Darlington or Gateway? They're shaped like eggs, aren't they? Moist eggs. Oh, you God. We're still there. <laughs> I thought I blew past that. I'm, I'm going to step away and go fix an omelet now. I'll leave it a little runny for you guys. All right. We're going to go over release notes. It's season two, patch one. And um, they did some changes to the iRacing UI. Um, but this real this release was basically about adding AI racing to the Formula IR04. So remember, we got that car just uh, in the release, and the AI wasn't quite ready. So here it is in patch one. So that's the main uh, reason for the release. But they also, you know, made some other adjustments. Uh, let me see if we need to mention uh, some other ones here. Uh, some improvements to AI on some other. Uh, the Winton Motor, Motor Speedway, as well as the uh, Formula One car. 
fixed an issue where some AI drivers would attempt to leave the grid before the car ahead of them had begun to move. That new uh, <laughs> dash box, they fixed it. There was a little dash box. If you push the letter D, if you had that up, like you couldn't check, you know, fast repair, they fixed that. Some other little things to the cars. Uh, 87 uh, external drivetrain audio levels have been reduced. Do you think, uh, Mike, looking at this one, I've just the Hyundai Elantra fixed an ambient oscillation issue with trunk area. So obviously it's like had a visual uh, movement to it when it's driving. Yeah, lots of little things like the Buick LeSabre 87 says fixed an issue with custom driver helmet textures that were not displaying properly. You wonder if some of these things, you know, how these things crop up when they code something, if it's already in there, how does it get corrupted? and change it or is it something that they've that's been noticed and just we're redoing i don't know like is is it because of the patch that these things pop up some of these older uh vehicles i don't know i'd love to know the workflow a little bit because i seriously doubt that the users are reporting all these things I mean, i'm sure they're reporting a lot of them but not everything that they work on i mean they're going and finding these problems on their own too it may be some things that they, they find really late in, or really close to deployment time that they just have to put off, right? They're just like, well, if we want to get the release out on time, let's, we've got this list of things that have come up late in testing, but that we don't have to do it before the release. And so they're like, we'll just get this a couple of days later. That's well, even if you look at, um, <laughs> there's a random one here with the Pontiac Solstice. The roll bar camera is no longer blocked. Like it just all of a sudden got blocked in the replay view. Okay. So next, Brian, we have another sponsor announcement. Yeah, this one is for World of Outlaws Elite Model Championship Series. Um, and they have a new title sponsor. It used to be uh, Morton's Builders. And now the sponsorship goes to Butt Kicker. So, uh, yeah, so Butt Kicker is going to be the official sponsor of this uh, uh, championship series for the Outlaws Late Models. Um, this series will be kicking off a 10-week season in June of 22nd. And uh, so that'll be the next time, which is cool because uh, it seems like it's been a while since they've those. It seems like we've had two sprint car series since the last late model series. So I wonder if they didn't change up the the uh, the time of year that these uh, these seasons run. So uh, it's good to see Book Kicker on. Um, they've they've worked before with iRacing. They've done special promotions and other things. So uh, they've become a, a really good sponsor sh for uh, for iRacing. Um, and this is not the. Um, this is not the same sponsorship for the actual world of outlaws late models that's that also used to be morton's builders but now that is a uh, case construction sponsors the real world world of outlaw elite models so uh there's a different sponsor between the real world and the iRacing version um but the iRacing version now goes to butt kicker so welcome aboard i wonder if world of outlaw presents to their sponsor hey you know this is a you buy in on both of them the virtual and the real world. So we have a common sponsor, but in this case, obviously they didn't. Well, Mike, could it be with the butt kicker too? Like butt kicker is only relevant to the PC brand, like, you know, to a sim racing brand, right? True. You're not going to get any, uh, dirt fans really needing to need one. Right. But sim fans. Sure. 
when, when the dirt fan, when the dirt and the short track people really hate uh, iRacing even more, uh, if they got a sim racing sponsor for their actual series, because they already hate that uh, people don't go out to the local short tracks. Sometimes they just race or some of the professionals race on here. Well, how about uh, trophy trucking it with the cup cars? Uh, looks like we can uh, do that at Atlanta. Uh, if you catch that grass and uh, the uh, little roadways that kind of cut through the grass, it's like you might be able to pick up some air. I don't know if this was uh, just specific to this one race that we see in uh, um, on Instagram. They posted a video. Um, no, this week I've hit the grass, but I don't remember if I caught any air. I don't know if I went over those little roadways. Yeah, so many of these guys went off. I don't think this was uh, an accident. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It kind of looks odd. Um, like it, you know, they did it on purpose or it was pra like a practice or something, maybe a league. They also, oh. didn't, they also didn't try to stay out of the pits once they were Some of those guys just kept coming all the way down. If you enter the pits from the grass, you're going to get a hefty penalty. Maybe that's part of the Joker lap. <laughs> <laughs> is that like that? Wasn't there a series that they were using the Talladega pit? Weren't they using a pit road as like a, uh, a cutoff for a league race? It was an option. It was optional. You could take it That's either way. It so if you have tried to stop under green at Atlanta this week, you're more than likely end up in the grass. <laughs> it's hard. I guess that is a possibility that that many people just completely miss pit road. But Again, they they just didn't look like they were trying to avoid going on in after they after they got down there. Well, there well, was a this, wreck, uh, wasn't there? Sorry, I just got like live confirmation that yep, it definitely works. I just saw Lisa go through the grass over those roadways, <laughs> and she got air. Perfect. Nice. Anything else we need her to test while we're on here? Yeah, I couldn't have timed that any better. <laughs> You know, I, I was actually pretty impressed with how realistic those jumps looked. They didn't look uh, overly exaggerated or, or out of, completely out of whack with what you might actually see when cars go over these bumps. True. All right. Next up is Learn Racing from Ottinger. Nick Ottinger uh, put up a video. Um, it's on Twitter, and it's how to race, kind of. I mean... He goes through all the different disciplines, oval, road, dirt oval, dirt road, and gives basically tips and tricks for each discipline. Um, the one that I remember the most from the video is trying to come off straight on a road course you know, off a corner, like get the, get the car turned as much as you needed to get to turn. And then as you're coming off the exit, just make sure that car is as straight as it can be, you know, coming off so you can be in the gas and go. And, and he, you know, he shows examples of him doing it as well. And, but lots of, you know, tips like that, uh, that he provides. And, uh, if you want to learn something, uh, especially about one of the disciplines that you're not good at, um, you might pick something up. It's pretty cool. It's kind of, kind of nice that, uh, He's kind of given back to the community that way too, right? Well, this is actually on a Twitter from what's called TSMFTX, which I'm not even sure what that is. Some uh, website, obviously, um, and they have a TSMshop.com. It's like an esports broadcasting site. It's Yeah, they have esports merchandise here. Um, pretty cool. 
but he's working in, you know, some kind of collaboration with them, obviously, on this. And it's an eight-minute video. Not, not too many more drivers you would want to get advice from than uh, Nick Ottinger. Well, especially after this week's race, man, he was looking really good out there. Um, I'm a little surprised uh, that he's, uh, you know, doing all these different disciplines, too. I'm sure he's good in all of them because aliens are that way. Well, I wonder if he'll be uh, learning this new car. Uh, we got a video coming up next that's a, a spotlight of the stock car, Brazil. Um, it's posted by iRacing on their YouTube channel. And I gave this a quick watch. It was only uh, two minutes. And this is an interesting thing about these cars. It's They're kind of almost like a TCR car, except they're a little bit more closely related to stock cars, though they do have the wing. But they don't have quite the downforce that, that some of the TCRs have. Um, and, but also they have a, uh, basically an extra power mode. It's almost like a push to pass option, um, uh, that is limited even only in practices and you don't even get to reset it if you tow. So you can't sit there and just constantly spam push to pass to, to get a hot lap. Right. Uh, and it, it actually has a timer on it for five seconds and then it runs for like 21 seconds where you have extra horsepower for an extra 100 horsepower for about 21 seconds. And you can use it six times per heat and or race. It's kind of like the Indy car where they do it by time. Cause they give extra boost. I don't, these cars aren't boosted though. So it's gotta be like a, a curves electrical system. I don't I, think they're turbocharged all, though. All it said was an, an extra hundred horsepower. Yeah, it doesn't say how it gives it. I'll have to look that up. I'd be interested to see what system they use to do it. Yeah, I think the uh, the oh, the narrator is uh, Matt Holden, who's one of the vehicle engineers. He, he describes the push-to-pass that David did, um, but also it, they do a heat race, and then they do a, a main event um, is basically how they're doing it. And just a little bit ago, we were talking about the season two uh, patch notes, and last week we covered the uh, the build, right? And now we have a video talking about it, Brian. Yeah, so um, you know, we went over all all the uh, a lot of the details that were in the last season's build, all the new stuff, all the changes and things like that. Um, and uh, you know, I think we do a really good job covering all this stuff. But iRacing puts out a YouTube video on their um, iRacing YouTube channel that actually has in video format the uh, all the new changes in the season two build. So it's a nice, uh, fairly compact way of 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 seeing what all these new things look like. You know, in a in a video. You know, iRacing always does really high quality videos as far as that kind of stuff goes. Uh, There's certainly no no. Um, no exception to that rule. So, uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to see a little bit more uh, about what's in the season two build uh, that you might not have understood or, or like to see in in service, uh, go check this video out. It's pretty cool. This is a great idea because how many iRacers out there never touch the forums and they never go looking for stuff like this? But maybe you can reach that casual iRacer because it's social media because it's youtube you know they're sitting on the couch on their phone they see a video from iRacing. oh it's only a couple minutes man i'm gonna watch this and and they learn all the the build notes you know just by watching a short video so it's a brilliant way to you know get the word out to more people i think some people will just prefer consuming it that way anyway as well right instead of reading a long list of text right 
You could also just listen to our show. We'll we'll lay it down for our pretty early too, pretty well too. That's real easy, right? <laughs> Though uh, we're preaching to the choir. I'll pick up the next one, I guess. Uh, we have the Creventex Endurance Series. Uh, iRacing is announcing this new Creventex iRacing Series. It's a four-round team racing championship that's that features a series of 12-hour endurance race events at some of the big road courses. It's coming back with the introduction of the Porsche 911 GT3 car, which is actually the 992. Um, and it's also going to have the GT4s and the touring cars in it. Um, this is the second year they're doing it. And there's four circuits. They're going to Spa, uh, Hockenring, Hockenheim, Hockenheim Ring, Sebring, and Monza. Or no, not Monza, Emola. All right. Um, and I already mentioned the cars. So that'll, that'll be an interesting 12-hour event in those smaller cars. Uh, is this the series that absorbed the race known as the 24 Hours of Le Mans, or was that a different no. one? No, that's the, that's the biggest cars. That's LMP1, LMP2, and GTE. Okay. Shows you what I know. So should we talk about another 24-hour event then coming up? In uh, from April eighth to tenth at the uh, it's going to be the twenty four hours of the Nurburgring. Um, so this is the I, another iRacing special event. Um, normal time slot spot ass ah, time slots are uh, Friday, and then the three the Friday night one and then the three Saturday ones uh, for everyone. And this is a long grueling race in one of probably the most. It's probably the di- most difficult track to do an endurance race on. It's even more unforgiving than, than say, uh, Bathurst. No, thank you. Yeah, the, the challenge, I mean, it's so long. The biggest challenge is not knowing which way to turn. It's, it's just kind of remembering with that many turns, which turn is a high-speed turn where you just coast, and which turn is a turn where you have to break. That's, that's where I'd always get in trouble when I was trying to learn it, is I would just forget to break at a corner that I needed to break. Yeah, you're you're thinking it's the corner, a, a different corner than it actually is when you get to it. Yeah, I had to start memorizing the the kilometer marker signs as kind of warnings as to where they were. I learned that track back in the day. I was better at it than I haven't raced it on here, but I learned it better in a, a console game, Grand Turismo, where they split it up into four sections when you learn it, and then they put it together that way when you're getting a license for it. So it's kind of nice to try the track when you're, you're learning it in sections. Well, yeah, the, at least the one good thing when you're practicing there is you don't go all the way back to the start finish line. When you wreck, there's a lot, there are a lot of checkpoints, which makes it, which does help a little, but it still take, it took me, I don't know, two or three many hours before I finally actually set a lap time when I was trying to get ready for that. But before we finish up the, uh, the segments or the, the events segment probably should still actually have Sebring on here as well. Right. Because that's coming up not this week, not this weekend, but the following weekend. I know me and Greg are running that with one of the crisscross guys. We've got we've got that schedule already set up. And also, Sim Coaches has recently announced uh, an, a neat thing. Unfortunately, right now, this first time around, it's only going to be for actual, actual pedal owners. So I guess it's me, Kyle, and and Bobby. Or no, was it Bobby that bought the Sim Coaches the the other set? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so we got a Formula One watch party that's going to be going on this Saturday, or no, Sunday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's going to be on their Discord channel. Uh, there's no requirements. Just come on and hang out in the chat. They're going to be actually streaming 
the F1 live stream and having commentary and, and talk as it goes. Um, so if you're, if you own the pedals, check that out. If you don't go buy a pair and make sure you put in our code when you do. Another reason to buy pedals. Well, I'll, unfortunately for most of us, if we're awake at that time, we're usually running an IS. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacersLounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. All right, podcast housekeeping. Don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Uh, Tony, what's going on over there? Oh, that's a good question. We're uh, we're, going to try and put something together this week. Uh, But I can just say... You know, once again, just, you know, don't hold your breath. But we're going to try it. We'll see what's going on. All right. Very good. Uh, check our website. And we are on regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. All right, Tony, let's talk fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think I'm holding down a fort like last place somewhere way down. Man, oh man. I'm uh like personally, I suck this year. I can't seem to catch a break whatsoever, but we got a bunch of people that did catch breaks. Greg, it looks like you are top dog for Tofosi in the fantasy league for the last race. And that's sitting in 10th place. Guys, we sucked. You're gonna laugh at me though, Tony, because <laughs> I was, I think at, just before we got to that, uh, the second uh, uh, stage there end where it locks it in, I took, uh, who did I take out? I took Kyle Bush out to leave Larson in. And then Larson, after they went green, blew, or blew up his motor or lost that power to his motor. <laughs> so I went from second down to like 10th. I kept seeing it go down as we went. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do right like sometimes that just happens um i i don't even think i've seen inside the top 10 at all like race i don't even sure if i've seen inside top 10 at all this year yet but you know that's yeah, it's early yet but and that was uh that was a weird race and like we got another weird one coming up everything's new um like new 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 like we don't even have like track history because it's a it's a new repave and they're doing everything weird and different and it's going to be scary. Well, I don't know if any of you guys listened to Door Bumper Clear or the Dale Jr. download this week. The way that they described how this track possibly could race between all three series might be one of the most unique weeks in NASCAR history because we're used to Daytona and Talladega as a, as a, you know a restrictor plate slash like you know close together track this this track could bring that kind of racing for 
at least the first part of a run with tires, maybe as they get worn out, it might not be as good. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Um, I know they were talking, uh, was that Justin Allgaier was talking on Dale Jr. Download about, you know, the just racing the one lane, and that was only because, you know, they didn't want to put the car in harm's way. Um, you know, I don't think we'll see a lot of, you know, single track. I hope we don't see a lot of single lane stuff because that will just suck. But I don't know, like uh, with this much unknown, um, like with the track and stuff, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about leaning towards, you know, a, a typical uh, speedway uh, pick and kind of going with uh, guys I know I'm not going to use a whole lot throughout the year. Um I don't know. Kind of like a shot in the dark, really. Like, what are you guys thinking? Watermelon man. Yeah, I'm not going to put any of the heavy hitters in. I'm going to save them for this race just because you just don't know what's going to happen. I like I like your thought there, Mike. That's that's actually a really good choice. He's kind of well, hot right him, now. The eight car. There's a bunch of guys that are knocking on the door for a win. The eight. Though I don't play the fantasy while we're talking real cup drivers, I have to say that I I have now adopted for the first time in a while, a new favorite cup driver. If you listen to the Dale Jr. Download, Austin Sendrick is a tuba player all the way through high school. So, yeah. That, that's there your guy is. now, eh? That's my guy. <laughs> Are you into jazz as much as he is too? Uh, yeah, I play quite a bit of jazz. I, I, my workout playlist will be insane. It'll jump between uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Slipknot. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's jump into the hardware software. The first thing we're going to talk is probably not the last thing we're going to talk as uh, this is going to be happening all on all across the board on everything as inflation is becoming pretty rampant. Uh, Fanatec has announced this week that starting March 17th, they're going to have several products across the CSL Club Sport and Podium Lines increasing in price. They're trying to keep the changes to a minimum and the products will stay the same. Um, and they are trying to retain the basic pricing for the core components of the systems, the wheelbases. Um, and in the process of reassessing, they've also dropped a few products. But, um, you know, uh, I just had to order a new marching band podium, uh, speaking real life. And, the, and it cost half of the price of the podium to ship it because it has to be sh- shipped via truck. Um, everything's just going to just going to go out the wazoo price-wise and so this is not surprising and you can't blame them it costs them that much money just to get the products now i am and that's uh i don't know if you said the date but it starts today or sorry as of tomorrow sorry the increases can go up so as well, of 18th march 18th no yeah, today 17th well, 17th, 17th is on the on the notes anyway the, I'm just glad I bought the Podium Hub when I did before this increase. And and when I did buy it, it was 180 which I thought was outrageous. Um, but I, I'm afraid to even look at what it is now. It would be good to take like a snapshot of all the prices, not what they are, and then see what they switch to by the weekend, maybe. I'm going to go look now that you say that. Uh, it's $199.95 for the Podium Hub. So 20 bucks. That's a pretty... Big increase. That's a decent size increase for a tiny product. That's 10%. 10%. So it would be a good guess they increase their prices 
that compared to how some things have gone up, I think that's not outrageous. You know, it's just the current situation. Um, one guy who probably doesn't necessarily have to worry about uh, increasing parts prices might be Boosted Media. He posted a new uh, setup, Brian. Yeah, so uh, Boosted Media, that's uh, Will Ford's um, YouTube channel. Um, he, he's got a really impressive uh, rig, and it sounded like he just put it in a new house or a new, uh, new house that he was uh, moving into. So he goes through the process of rebuilding his rig in the new house and all the steps he went through uh, to get it set up. He's, he's got three triple 65 4K monitors. So uh, it's a massive, it's a massive system. And he's got a fourth monitor overhead for telemetry. Plus, plus his full motion rig. He's got, uh, you know, uh, really nice, really nice hardware. I looked it up because uh, in the video, you actually see the make and model of his monitors as he's uh, rebuilding it. They're, f they're $5,000 monitors each, and he's got three of them. So he's got fifteen grand and just in monitors set up, and uh, who knows what kind of computer he's got to, to run that because that's, uh, that's a massive resolution. Uh, to run on there so it's really cool if he, you want to see how he built this thing um, he does use a lot of 8020 parts uh, component systems to uh, to set the triples up he does a really good job uh, showing you how he got the monitors lined up he did a great job setting that thing in um, and uh, it's 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 just an impressive rig he's he, uh, he's got he's got the video um, that he did with the uh, the Hughes, uh, Philips Hughes lights that, for the uh, ambient lighting. He, he, he installed those as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of good stuff in this video. I mean, for one, the ambient lighting, uh, of course I have that project as well on my rig. Um, but he talks about some of the nuances of how you set that up. Like he was keen that he didn't see it with his visible eye, like a direct, you know, visual to it. Cause you know, you don't want that bright hitting your eyeball. And so you made sure it was, you know, behind something, uh, you know, the, the faucet, the, the soffit or whatever. So it wasn't shining direct and just little details like that, that you never really think of until you're actually putting this together, you know, where am I going to put it and that kind of stuff. The other part was it really got me thinking about the triple 65s and what a brilliant idea this is. Why? Cause you get really high vertical FOV, right? You're going to be able to see the dash, even though it's triples. Okay. Cause like with my triples with 27s, I can't see the dash, but if I had triple 65s, I can because there's more vertical FOV. And the trick to that is what, as I watched this video was the distance he is eyeball to that screen has to be just right. And it has to be dead center too, top to bottom, left to right. Um, but the the distance is is the key part. So it doesn't look like your everything is too big. Um, it doesn't look like everything is too small. And and you got to have the right kind of space to to build something like this. Obviously, he's using a like a big living room kind of area to build it. I was gonna say the the mounts to hold sixty five inch. TV or TVs would be really or really heavy, right? You'd have to have a really strong. What is the those Versa mounts? Maybe would those be strong enough for him? This is a takeoff of the SimLab triple monitor mount. 
he basically used the components from that, but added obviously longer pieces of, uh, you know, so it would be long, big enough for those monitors. And, and like you said, the mounts, Greg, I, I'm sure that, that, you know, he has those specific to those TVs, but they're mounted right to the 8020. Yeah, they, they look more like just the mount that you would get for a big screen TV for your house. Just instead right, of right. attaching it to the wall, he's got it attached to the 8020. That's what Which it makes sense like to me because because it, it, it um once you hook it on it slides left and right on the on the bracket that's attached to the eighty twenty just like you can kind of do that with some of the TV mounts that you get for uh for homes you know for big screen TVs. Which means that you know you you calculated what fifteen hundred dollars worth of TVs probably get another five hundred dollars in mounts. No, no, fifteen thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars. Sorry, <laughs> so he's got another. Five hundred dollars for the mounts. Easy. That doesn't include the overhead monitor for his telemetry, too. So I would definitely say that that Will would be justified in in buying a high end F one wheel. Well, yeah. he has the wheel I bought. I mean, in fact, all his recent videos, if you look, he's using it every time. He's got yeah, he's got the semi cube uh, ultimate wheelbase too. So he's got a super, a really nice wheelbase. These videos here is where you get stuck down a, a, a wormhole seeing some of these guys' uh, nice rigs and go, this is where I spend my money. This is how you get your money spent. You're right, Greg. I mean, I'm looking at this video thinking this is my next project <laughs> is the triple 65s. I mean, it's it's just brilliant. And I have the room to do it. I have a room that's big enough. That I could actually pull this off. Maybe not 65s, maybe 55s or something like that. You know, 55s are a lot more affordable. You can go to Costco and get a, you know, a cheap 55-inch television maybe, you know? If I was going to exactly. go that route instead of VR, I would almost want to go projector, like the, the big 180-degree projections. Too much heat. Yeah. I was just going to say, the thing is, Noise. when you get that big, is you got to make sure you get refresh rates that are good because the bigger they are, like a TV is really, when you're sim racing with a TV, sometimes it's it's not as good depending on what kind of TV it is. A brilliant idea. You know, when I started seeing the vertical FOV, like the, the monitor is so big and it's behind his wheelbase and his pedals because it's so big that the bottom of the monitor is down at his feet almost, okay? So when he's looking visually past the wheelbase, I mean, he's seeing the, the car recreated, you know? It, it looks freaking cool. It, it looks like he's in the car. Um, yeah, exactly. Dash. He's in the car. Now, can I recreate the same thing with something slightly smaller? That's that would be my project. I think sixty-five. Does it need to be sixty-five to for the physics to work and all that? I don't know. Well, Mike, you have twenty-sevens, right? Yeah. See, when I went to the thirty-twos, they it sits down on top of my um, my. Uh, actual wheelbase so i kind of feel like i'm sitting behind a dash all the time anyways with my 32s yeah and he talked about uh the the empty space that's around the the wheelbase and stuff he's gonna have that all blacked out you know so it looks all premium and you can't see through and all that i i don't know brian if he said how he was going to do that but but yeah, and the big thing again, the the Philips Hughes uh, lighting system, guys. I, it's expensive, but it's such a nice add-on. I mean, it just g gives you that little nice touch. 
Well, it's it's kind of just you know you're most of us just race in a one one light room or like I can change the color lights in my room for what I want to race in. But if you're in, like if you're in VR like David would be, you can't change the light because it needs for the sensors. But that kind of system when you're racing on triples and you want to immerse your room and make your room uh, part of part of the whole thing, it's kind of a, a cool add-on. There'd really also be no point in changing the light when you're in VR. Yeah, I I, I was re- saying it through that, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go blow by this one after I said it. So, Mike, he's got those uh, bezels, too, in the corners between the, uh, between the monitors um, that you have. And he mentioned in the video that they're discontinued, so he can't get them anymore. And he's actually looking to see if anybody has one to sell if he has for replacements, if in case he has any issues. I sold mine, by the way, to an old uh, iRacer from the past. Uh, Hoyt Smith bought those from me. Now, would those be different sizes? Because obviously a 65 would be a different I think he was hooking two of them together with tape or something. Okay, that would make sense. And then he mentioned like he would, he had a string, like a fishing line or something. He, He would attach to the middle of it, and he would pull the fishing line in between the screens so it wouldn't bow out. Um, the the plastic thing would bow out uh, a little bit because it was so long. And so they used a little string to pull it back, you know, so it was taut against the monitor. And that makes a better better view as as you transition, right? They've got, um, you can uh, like kind of DIY those things now. Um, I can't remember the name of the... Lexicam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some pretty good tutorials on how to make all that work so that that might be a i don't know if you had 65 inch or that's probably what i would do kind of figure out that i haven't looked at the comments but i, I assume somebody told him about that but like tony said you can buy this stuff and just make your own well greg it looks like we have a new dd base right yeah we've heard of monza before now they they're coming this is they had another did they have a direct Moza. drive before mike they yeah, the they R16. have two, two direct drives. Yeah, okay. they have the 16 and uh, another one, too. Um, they're, they're the ones that kind of have that uh, bronzish orange color to them. That's what, like, the round finish back, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, these Monzas are re- releasing their new uh, R9DD base, uh, priced at 439 plus VAT, or with the GT-style formula, uh, steering wheel, you can get it for four ninety nine uh, plus VAT. So um, it's basically, you know, all these direct drives have the uh, same type of look to them. Um, it's got the same cube style. Um, says Mons on it. Uh, it's kind of actually really nice, though. I, I kind of like this design, but Moza. I mean, these direct drive prices are starting to get really, really lower, or starting to come down now. Moza. Moza, sorry. Moza, sorry. Yeah, there's no yeah. N. And this is a, this is their uh, nine Newton meter offering. Now the CSL DD is eight with the upgraded power, so this is in direct competition with that. And man, the price four ninety nine with the wheel. Now, if you look at the wheel, it's really nice looking too. I'm pretty sure that wheel is four ninety nine. The base itself yeah. is four thirty nine. Oh, there's I see. no way they're okay. selling that for <laughs> for fifty bucks. I was like, wow, what a deal! That I was going to say, yeah, but you know, that'd be awesome if they did. Now, since we're but talking it's a about real it, good looking. Go ahead. 
I was just gonna say it's a nice looking formula wheel they have. That um that GS formula is a is a good looking wheel. It is. I'm gonna go ahead and jump around on the script as well because we also have a video covering this this item uh, put uh, by Sean Cole and Simpit. So if you look at the at a little bit further down, uh, he's got got the video reviewing it. Uh, Mike, did you get to watch this one? Yeah, he liked it. Um, there's a white version of this, so it comes in black as you can see, but you can actually order it in white, and boy, that looks sharp. Uh, it's heavy as you would imagine. Um, he had a lot of good things to say about it. I mean, at the quick release, it looks awesome. I mean, uh, the way it goes off and on and, um, it doesn't, you know, there's no play in it at all. Like the fan attack. That quick release is almost identical to like the one that I have on the Sim magic. And yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome. They're, they're very tight. There's like you said, there's, there's no wiggle. And he did mention he he really liked the uh, uh, the quietness. And I don't know what the uh, the DD like the Fanatec ones like. Um, I know Simagic's super quiet. I'd have to imagine Fanatex is pretty quiet as well. The the CSL DD yes because it's fanless. Now my DD one makes all kinds of noise. It's got fans and stuff. Oh, the power okay. supply has fans. Just do what I do. I get the surround sound, and you can it drowns out everything. You guys are, you can't even hear me talk. I was about to say, exactly. It drowns <laughs> your voice out, too. So, yeah, I, I did watch the video as well. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of had it on the background, just picking up bits here and there. But I did pay attention really well to the end. Because Sean Cole, when he reviews stuff at the end, he does a real good job going over pluses and minuses. And uh, he had a lot of pluses, a lot of stuff you mentioned. He said it was really smooth in the turning. Um, he, But uh, he really had a hard time thinking of anything negative to say about it. Oh, and by the way, also, um, the, the bolt pattern for it to mount is identical to the Fanatec. So if you have a uh, 8020 rig that's set up for Fanatec uh, products, this will mount directly to the Fanatec one. So that's good to know if you're if you're wondering how you're going to mount this thing. Um, so yes, he didn't really have a lot of bad things to say with it. Um, he did mention that you know the steering wheels are um, are uh, proprietary to this one, so it's not interchangeable. So uh, that was one thing he said. You know, if you want to say that's a negative, you could say that's a negative. But you know, they're not the only company that does that. And he, uh, nice yeah, so it, he was pretty impressed. Yeah. But does that also mean I can't take uh, some other wheel I have and put on this? It probably means that too. Yes. Yes. It sounds like that's what it means. That is correct. Now, Tony, you were just in the market for a wheel and and got one. What if you were in the market today for a wheel? Would this be a consideration? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. It would definitely be a consideration. It would actually probably be between uh, the one that I got and this one. Um, that's probably where I search my or start my uh, research. And when when uh, Fanatec first came out with their with their um, the the DD the small one, that was a consideration too. Until it was like the the shipping nightmares. Um, that's pretty much what wrote that out for me. Um, Cause with the sim magic, I got it within, it, it was under two weeks. It was to my door. You know, I think people are looking for a reason not to buy Fanatec. I mean, like you said, with the shipping problems, the, the customer service problems that we've heard about in the past, um, 
you know, they're in Germany and, you know, they're hard to reach, you know, all these different things. You know, if I was in the market for a new wheel and I was looking at an affordable DD base, I mean, I'd be looking at Sim Magic or Moza before I'd be looking at Fanatec, I think, just because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge consideration as well. Um, I know, like, some of the groups that I, I belong to for the Sim Magic, um, you know, the customer service is, is done quite well. Now it's um, uh, done a little differently than Fanatec. Like, you don't send anything back right to Sim Magic. You go through your authorized dealer, and, you know, they have a handful in North America. Um, I think there's two or three in Canada, so it's... Um, it makes if you do have issues, makes things you know a, a lot easier than you know sending it all the way to all the way to Fanatec or you know Simagic's case yet send it all the way back China. Um, so I haven't heard a whole lot of horror stories with that part of the deal. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are some. I, I just haven't uh, I, I haven't come across them anything you know serious like silly little things that don't really much matter sure but nothing big yet yeah and so sean cole goes over the software as well you know he, he said good things about that you know it's got the oval wheel it's got a formula wheel so it's it's not a bad package and uh yeah if you're in the market you need to take a look at moza and all right that, that's a pretty good wrap on that did you have anything else mike Okay, the next thing we have, Mike, uh, is this basically the same thing as the hub, as this Fanatec emulator? Yeah, so I was looking at this. Uh, actually, a listener sent this in to us on Discord. I, I forget who, but um, I had already bought what I needed from Fanatec before I saw this, but I had looked at this and other things like it before I made a decision. Um, the difference is, is you have to permanently install this into your base. So you have to take apart the base, uh, the shaft that you have here now, you install this uh, thing in it, you can see the pins as well. And it basically gives you a, uh, it's called a Fanatec emulator. Um, it's 95 pounds and it, it emulates uh, the, the podium hub basically. So the, the force feedback will still work when you put some random wheel on it. Um, the thing is, is when you hook a wheel to this thing, it's permanently hooked unless you like unscrew it. So it's not like it's easy to switch from one to the other. So there's no quick release and no option to go back to a wheel that doesn't require the hub. Not on this particular unit from this company. Um, now I've seen another one from another company, I think down in Australia and they have one with a quick release, but I still decided against it because... I don't know why, but I decided not to. Sometimes when you when you go with us, I guess could you would you call it aftermarket or other market items? Even though you're paying less, it it can be a situation where you get what you're paying for. Another thing that's notable on this website is he's he says um, he's having trouble keeping in his stock up because of the supply issues in China with COVID. Yeah, stock it's out of stock. Well, that was the other part of it too. Is everything I was looking at was out of stock, so. Is you know, I'll place the order with Fanatec and just wait. <laughs> what about this uh, wheel button, Tony? I think you got this next one. Yeah, now this is a 3D printed uh, add-on for the uh, Fanatec NASCAR wheels. And because they don't really come with any buttons, correct? correct? You, if you buy the hub, but the hub is so small in the center, 
it's really hard to reach. Okay, so maybe that's what this is for is to extend that hub. So you kind of like take it, Yeah, so you take that apart, print off these pieces, and it's a little easier or a little better accessible accessible. Um yeah, it's 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 free as long as you got a printer or know somebody that has a printer or got a library that can print. Um, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, you Greg is showing us if you look if you're on the cameras, you'll see Greg is holding up all the buttons are right around the center of the rim. Yeah, so this uh, add-on that you can print will move all your buttons a little closer to the outside of that rim, so um, a lot uh, a lot more accessible. Yeah, that that's a great visual. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, that's a huge that, difference. That's one of the downfalls. Like I know, uh, instead of I have to use on my NASCAR rim, I use the back paddles for push to talks. And I would really like to use a button instead and use the push to talks to do something else uh, for the car. Cause since your hands are there all the time, but it just seems it's just the easiest one to reach. And it'd be, this, this here would be actually a really good thing to extend the, uh, extend the buttons out, which I kind of, I'm going to bookmark this site and uh, possibly purchase something like this later on. Yeah. Even the F1 rim that I have, it, if, except for the, all the buttons that you can easily reach with your thumb, without having to take your hand off. Um, if you can't do that, then they're not usable in race conditions. There's the, there's the three extra buttons kind of down in the middle and low. You can get to those, but you have to take your hand off. So those are only for like some chat macros or something, or something that you're just not going to have to hit when you're going around a corner. Cause you're not taking your hand off when you, when you're going around, say the Porsche curves. Greg, I'll have to show you how I routed my buttons for on my NASCAR hub wheel. Um, I actually uh, I ran them through the spokes of the wheel, double-sided taped them to it, so they're actually right on the uh, on the uh, the buttons. And that works pretty well. I haven't had them fall off or anything. You have the hub though, right? Do you have the Xbox hub or just yes, a normal I hub? I have the Xbox hub. Now, David, here's a question. I just thinking of this. Do you guys have the problems with the button caps breaking very often? All of mine are gone. I don't replace it okay. anymore. Yeah. That's what I was. It's, they're so cheap when you push on them. They're garbage. I don't even replace them when they fall off. It's not worth it. I was replacing them with the spares for a while, and then I just decided it was kind of more comfortable without them. Yeah, in VR, you don't need to see what they say on them or nothing. You know, with the little icons they have, so who cares? You don't? You can't visually see things in VR right outside your rig? Last time I tried. <laughs> All right. Mike, Only if it's lighting. Mike, what do you think on time? Have we got time for any more? Or you want to jump in? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's do one more here. All right. Did you look this one over? Because I gave it a look as well. We didn't assign this one to anybody. Yeah. This one is crazy. So, Bino is the guy called Bino Van Rensburg from Australia. Now, if you've been on the show a long time, you've known. We've got a lot of hardware stories from Bino in the past in the old from the old forums. And now he's uh, resurrected one of his uh, old threads from the old forum as he's uh, finishing up a project here. And so he started in the new forums a thread on his Project Doppler DIY hydraulic high-end pedals. And he posted up some high-res photos of where he's at currently. And holy cow, guys. I mean, these things are beast now the other thing i want to point out is the the picture that we put in the script if you look underneath the 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 pedal plate look at how it's mounted to the rig he's got these rubber grommets 
basically in between the, the pedal plate and the rig that basically give audio isolation for butt kicker reasons. I mean, it's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> no, I mean, actually, Steve Thompson uh, has told me to do something similar to this. Um, and, and so he's he doing it a little bit different way. He was using those rubber horse mats where he would cut chunks of rubber and then he would run the screws through the rubber uh, to mount these parts so they, they don't uh, touch, basically, you know, metal to metal. There's a lot of neat pictures here. It's kind of overwhelming to look at all these pictures. Like, he's done it really detailed. This guy's the best. Sorry, Greg, that was the best way to describe this, overwhelming. Um, <laughs> it's a little jaw-dropping. This guy's got to have an engineering degree of some kind. Something, but, like, he's even, like, he's using braided lines that are, he's probably got to have, you got to have certain you know, tools to make a braided line properly. And all the, you know, we got to all these Wellwood master cylinders and just, I, I really like the, you're right, Mike, though, the way he has it mounted into the rig with the bushings, it's really cool. I think Bino was involved in the early development of the first direct drive wheels. Um, and so, yeah, he, he definitely knows his SIM hardware. He's also using, it looks like nylon washers just to further like minimize any kind of rattling around. Oh, I see what you're talking about. The white. Yeah. He's definitely using that. He's a freaking genius. Okay. So with that, we're going to jump over to results. Let's talk the NASCAR iRacing series. Finish up uh, last week. I'll start out, P9 came from 13th, then ran top five most of the race, ended up getting loose as the race got closer to the end and I lost it with 32 to go and lost all my track position. This was even more bittersweet than Wednesday night because the guy who won was actually crashed out Wednesday night and I had nothing for him. Um, I really felt like this was an opportunity to win that I let and it, it hurts, man. I let it slip, you know? Um, Darn it. Tom Dryling, P5, started in the rear, was able to work my way up to the top 10 most of the race. I was better on a long run. Unfortunately, we had a few cautions at the end of the race. Was able to scrape to a top five. I'll take it. Uh, time for a little vacation. We'll be back Wednesday for more fun and games. Tony Rochette says, Phoenix hates me. Race ended early with an ass, losing it out of two, missing the putt barrels and right into me on the wall was early on, so went to play some Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> Tony. Brian, P8. Yeah, so I finally managed to get through an NIS race with getting wiped out in the first five laps. So that was a good, that was a, on the side. Um, so uh, this was, this race I was actually okay speed wise. Um, this is the same race that I was talking about earlier where I got a black flag for uh, passing under yellow when uh, I went to the pits and that kind of set me back. But I wound up working my way up to the top five and in the last section I dropped to, uh, to P8. Um, and the reason really was I was just terrible in three and four. I could not get through that turn well. Um, it seemed like I was uh, people were out breaking me going into it and getting off better. Um, so 
that that turn really cost me a couple spots at the end of that race so um, I didn't really have time to, to figure it out so it just was what it was but I'll take a P8 after my last couple weeks hey top 10 right Adam Jocelyn was wrecked out he said top 10 five speed last night went from 22nd to 10th running down the next five cars in front of me couple of cautions and my car's gears wasn't great for three to four laps and I fell back to 16th got frustrated busted my ass and turned one and smoked the wall I was rolling center better than all the cars around me too Tony Tony Groves wrecked out yep um, Phoenix sucks <laughs> I'm not very good at it and I, I don't know I was within the first I think 20 20 laps I got loose uh, coming out of one of the corners I don't even know where they're numbered anymore and some guy decided he just was going to try to drive right through me um, not give me any chance to kind of get uh, control back in the car he put me to the inside wall and blew my, my car was done it was toast so that was enough of that all right Sunday open Tony Rochette Phoenix still hates me burn the dog leg down jackass lost it in the dog leg and shot right into me against the front stretch wall with 14 to go and in eighth can't ever catch a break at phoenix and we will not ever speak of phoenix ever again stricken from my record okay sunday fixed how about me p3 that's the best result of the week guys and i got it a record 21 cautions 21 that's 86 laps of yellow guys i got taken out a couple times it wasn't a lot of damage and i recovered well did you even need to change tires? We did, but we didn't really need to. Yeah, more than half of it under caution. Yeah, congrats, congrats, though, Mike. P3, that's really tough to do with that stupid track. Well, after the year I've had and all the bad luck, too, I mean, to have that, I, I think that's my best finish of the year. Uh, you know, P7 I had once, but other than that, nothing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was saying, to, to get that, you know at that track because it's just it's 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 a tough freaking deal right like no matter what it's tough so to get that it's got to be it's got to be a pretty sweet little taste in your mouth yeah yeah it was a good it was a good run tyler williamson ran with me uh he ran 12th phoenix sucked he said really wasn't a good race got caught up in a few wrecks with other guys and even got caught up in a wreck with my teammate that was me me i actually took him out in in this wreck but I uh, had 20 incident points uh, where maybe four of them were his fault. It was a caution fest, uh, neck coated with a guy where we touched rear tires and sent him spinning as we avoided a wreck. Gives me a nice 4X door hit under caution. It wasn't a good night. Okay, moving on to Wednesday Open. David P. Wrecked. Yeah, I just got dive bombed by the same driver who you, you might mean. Well, we don't call names, but we had a guy that that was dive bombing a lot of people in our league race actually on Monday, and then griping at everybody else. Um, and he did the same thing in this race, and just uh, kind of came up and hit me. I, I wasn't giving him a ton of room because he dive bombed me, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I thought after leaving, going out of town for the weekend, that my luck might reset, and I was wrong. So, so David's gone from torpedo to bombed. <laughs> yeah, I so, got a... So, uh, so which, which other warlike actions are left? Shotgunned. Knifed. Tanked. Yeah, that's what my eye rating is doing. <laughs> Come down to where I am, David. It is fun. I really have to tank to do that. 
Not really. About 800. Why are you 3,800? 36. Okay, you gotta, you only have to go 600. All right, I got P13. I actually ran pretty good, got up to P2, and then I had bad luck with the way the cautions fell. The caution would come out right after I stopped for green flag stops. Not once, but twice it happened. We had green flag stops and then the caution would come out and I lost all my spots. Um, eventually though, I spun out, I hit the wall pretty hard. It was three and a half minutes damage and this brought it home. All right, Tyler P15, he finished two laps down, ran a solid race, but missed pit entry on the final fuel lap. Uh, ended up running out of gas, coasting to pit road, got loose in turn two and was taken out by a car who had their brake bias down in the 30s and couldn't stop. Was able to get repaired and keep up with the top eight. Felt good to finally be fast. My luck will turn around. Who said he had his brake bias down in the 30s? The guy who ran it over It was him. the guy who ran over him. He couldn't stop. And he just, yeah. There's no way he has it that low. I don't think you can go down that far. <laughs> I, don't, I think it stops at 40. I, I haven't ever tried. I don't I, think yeah. it goes that far. I've that's, never tried. That's You're basically only rear braking. <laughs> okay, here we go. Tony Rochette, P1. Hey, yo, what you get when you get a pole, led the most and fastest laps, you get a chubby burb in victory lane for a third time and nine NIS starts. What a way to have a send-off for the old Atlanta in redemption for my second places from last year. Dominant car, all race except on old tire restarts. But the burb frankly didn't give a damn by set, setting Atlanta and was gone with the wind. Okay. We need to petition iRacing or get Matt Malone to help us out here and actually make and actually make Chubby Burb an achievement in in the iRacing. We have to get a Chubby Burb. I don't want to know what a Chubby Burb is. is that like a swirly? That's a I private mean. message conversation. Uh, okay. I got to watch the end of Tony's race and spot for him because his race always goes longer than everyone else's for some reason, but. It was like the last few laps, and I joined, and he had a five, six-second lead over a second. Um, the guy was coming, though. He, he was two-tenths a lap. I did the math. I'm like, he's going to catch you at the end. He's going to be four-tenths back from you. And sure enough, at the last lap, he was four-tenths back. I was right. But I was just coaching him. I was telling him, hey, he, he, got, he got a tenth on you there. Hey, he got another tenth. Hey. You were able to hold him that late, that one. Good job. Just keep it in your marks and just, just talking him through it. Um, you know, making sure he knew how far that guy was back, and and he hit his marks and he got it done. Well done. Now the other heartbreak, but a, but bittersweet was Tom Dryling, P two. He almost won it. Started seventeenth, was running between fifth and tenth most of the race. Got caught once after green flag stops a lap down. I was able to make my way to a to the top uh, till there was a restart with 12 to go. I decided to pit, restarted fourth, was just a little loose on the restart, made the pass for second going to the line. I'll take a top five and look forward to Sunday. Now at one point early in this race, he was running first, I was running second. Um, Tyler was back there somewhere, but, but coming. We were looking good. I mean, we were in position to win this race. 
Um, I had my bad luck and, and didn't do so well, but Tom, and he was right there and almost got it done. All right, we ran today, Thursday Open. Bobby ran, uh, Bobby Jonas. I don't know how he finished. Um, I left before he finished. He was running seventh. Uh, seventh, I think, when I left. Yeah, he said seventh is where he finished. Seventh, okay. And um, Adam Jocelyn ran. He got wrecked out, super frustrated. I ran, I got P12. Got the steering ratio right this time, but I still sucked and would get loose in the middle of one and two and pound that outside wall. I probably did it six or seven times. Um, not a bad finish for sucking so bad. And that was my problem at Atlanta is turn two, one and two, when I get back on the gas, the car just wants to go left and then I overcorrect and it's, I slam into the outside wall. And um, I gotta figure out what I'm doing wrong. I thought I had it fixed with the steering ratio changes today. Uh, but it, I still did it. I still fucked up. Let's talk a open Tony Groves, big win. Yeah, that was that was huge, and um, I certainly didn't expect it. And it all came down right to a, like a green, white checker finish. Um, and I mean, we had a great set, and David actually helped me out right at the beginning of the race because I was having that problem through one and two, and. Uh, well, I did a very last minute uh, set change. And so I had no idea how it was really gonna react. David told me, you know, make a couple of adjustments and back my corners up like through one and two. I was having the same issues as you were sliding all over the place. Um, once I made those changes, then it, it was off to the races. And then I don't know, after like 10, 15 laps, the car really came to me. Um, green, white checker, everybody else, the leader was always going on green so i didn't know how much better i was than you know second and third place so i decided to go a little sooner and got the jump on them and they just couldn't catch me i was just i was too fast through the corners for them they were battling so um yeah i was able to get the win that felt really 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 good hey there's no shame in leaving early none this is uh bar rules here Oh, that's all about the all about the games, right? Like, got to do what they're not expecting you to do. And it's legal, and it's loud, and it's uh, it gets you the win. Well done. I ran some fixed Ferrari challenge at Spa. Three different starts, only one finish. It wasn't great, but not bad. I think it just detailed how much I need that new wheel. Um, just to drive one-handed with my oval wheel while I have my other hand on the shifter, it's just too hard. Uh, and boy, I'm just gonna wait before I start doing this road stuff uh, for the wheel, I think. Let's talk the fast track league at Vegas, David. Yeah, got taken out by a guy. I actually made a mistake early on myself, was two laps down, got them both back and was gonna turn out to have an okay run. And this, uh, guy just uh he kept cutting the corner on the inside and, and he, he did it one time to, to get back even with me coming into turn three and, and he just he didn't he didn't hold his line he came up and completely destroyed me um so he got taken out in the next wreck so it, i i felt avenged a little but uh we'll see what happens the next time i'm near him you know if he gets any room or not now i said vegas but uh, it's really phoenix is where yeah, we were just, racing still phoenix yeah now, Greg, uh, you got destroyed 
be a flying car that flew over you. And then the next thing I know is David said you had no hood. Well, we, David, it went over your car too, did it not? It bounced, it bounced on my ceiling. But I think, I don't think you can get damage up there, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I, I didn't have any visual reference on my car that it was damaged when we were going around the, you know, under caution. And David came up beside me because he was right behind me and pulled up just to check. And he told me I had no, no hood. So then I didn't have any time to pit. So we went green. And what did we run? Like 60 laps there green, 50 laps green. We were getting close to green and flags. What was that? We were getting close to green flags. Yeah, so um, I was almost a lap down. Uh, Richard Lucky was 0.5 of a second behind me when the caution came out to lap me. So I was able to not have to take a Lucky Dog, which helps me get extra time on pit road, and I was able to get the damage fixed and be somewhat uh, competitive. Uh, but I wasn't really. I was running, what, 20th, 15th to 20th with you, Mike, for most of that race. And then it just got stupid at the end. Just, just wreck after wreck. Once caution came out, it read caught. It read more cautions, and I finished P3, uh, but only because I think I restarted 10th or 9th, and the rest of the guys in front of me just decided they were going to wad it up at, at coming out of two, and. Someone lost it in front of me from the league, and I just decided not to pull up either. I went straight through them and finished them off too, just to help them into the wall. Um, but I wasn't lifting, it was a green-white checkered. So uh, I'll take a P3, I've got luck at Phoenix, and we'll go on to the next race. I'll never forget that replay in my mind of that last lap down the back stretch. It was carnage. I mean, the whole track blocked up. I was just wadded i just kind of pushed my way through there like body slamming you know one to the other you know one side to the other and i actually got through uh that mess it looked like i was going to have a good finish but that last wreck actually gave me the incident points uh that i needed to drive through penalty so it actually put me down a lap and i ended up p18 um ran as high as 10th but was more like a 15th and 20th place car all day especially on older tires. The cautions played in my favor and I would gain some track position from that. There was one incident I missed by my braking mark by just a few feet and I actually had to lock him up. I slid into the admin of the league. Luckily, I didn't wreck him, uh, but I did make that mistake. Um, I did get dive bombed by a guy and almost wrecked again. I heard his name almost every time a caution came out. Uh, he was dive bombing my teammates and then the next caution came out and he was involved and yeah and so that was fun the final restart man they were everywhere they were just wrecked like i said it was like a ping pong ball just bouncing through there now why did they wreck adam jocelyn going for the win as i was fading greg and i were fading uh adam was marching up through the field he started in the back he got up to the front he was contending there, uh, was in position at the on the final restart in second. Um, they go to restart, and Richard Lucky is like slow to go on the green. Adam had a really nice go, you know, go. Was able to get up literally side by side uh, through one and two with him. Uh, 
Richard Lucky clips the apron, trying too hard, it looked like, and basically spun out into Adam, and they both wreck in front of the field, basically. And that's what caused that huge pileup of the entire pack down the backstretch. Bobby was uh, was in the race for a while. He got wrecked, and then he was spotting for Adam at the end. No, he didn't make no, it. He didn't, show. he didn't get home in time. Oh, that's yeah. right. He didn't make it. He was just start. there. But Adam almost had that win, and he was kind of kicking himself over it. But he did everything he could. What are you going to do if the leader wrecks and takes you out? I mean, you can't miss it. I feel bad for Adam. He's had some bad luck, but but he's fast. <laughs> All right. How about some more confidence boost for me? Hosted, I ran this weekend, Supercars at Michigan, a Chris McGuire room, P1. I ended up winning that race. That was a blast. I also ran the Saturday uh, Sim 500 Esports 87 cars. Talladega, I mean, Greg, you've been pumping me up for this race and then you didn't show up. I I just thought about not just doing, I was, there was something going on. I can't remember what I was doing Saturday night and I just couldn't peel myself away from it to run it. I didn't know how many guys were gonna show up and what did you last, only a couple laps in it? Yeah, I got wrecked out on lap eight. Uh, the guy leading on the outside gets loose. And that, that's exactly what was happening to me all the time last fall, if you recall. Every time I got to the front on the outside in this car at Talladega, I would wreck. Well, this time, that's what this guy did. At least it was him and not me. And uh, yeah, I got caught up in, in a bunch of other people. And of course, I wasn't going to run around. Uh, I'm not running for points. So, What was the turnout like? It wasn't too bad. I think it was 22. That was double what it's been the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it was a nice turnout. So, all right, uh, OBR OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. It was Jason Higginbotham with the win. Thomas Ogle second. Eddie Jones third at Atlanta. Those sound like new names. Oh, well, not Eddie Jones. I was no. going to say Eddie's been there forever. <laughs> well, I didn't hear the one I always hear. Uh, yeah. I don't think he was there that Dwayne. Yeah, I was going to say he was <laughs> he off. He took the day off. All right. Final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, so, yeah, I had a rough weekend. Um, I had to work Sunday morning, so I missed the uh, Oberl Cup race. And then uh, Sunday night, I was getting ready to go do the Get Her Done race. And instead, I had to go to the hospital because I had a uh, kidney stone attack. So, yeah, not a good day for me. I had a... Uh, Missed that race. I wound up missing Monday night too because I was so wiped out from the day before. But um, it was, uh, I give it two thumbs down for an experience. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to my friends or enemies, but uh, I'm all better now. So I'm ready to get back in the rig and do some racing tomorrow night. Oh my God. Cringe city. Not fun. No. All right. David Hall, final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to go on the real life side this time. The, um, there was an announcement we saw today that Hendrick Motorsports is putting a next-gen car at Le Mans in the in the actual 24-hour race. When in the is it Garage 56? Is that the right number? Yeah, which, that's right. Which is, which is one that they have for cars that are not in any other class, or also specifically just for filming filming purposes if they want to throw together some kind of movie or something. So um, that's going to be interesting. And on a, what I'd like to do is the next time we have a, an open night. To, to throw up a community race, I'm going to come up with some way to do 
to do the stock, the next gen cars at Le Mans. And we'll, we'll try to throw that whenever there's an opening. Now, iRacing also announced today that time trials are available where you can run the next gen seven car at uh, Le Mans now. And I think I had heard the, the times are our people have already put up times and the, the record is somewhere at four minutes. We need to uh, go in there and grab that set. Then David should save it. So that you have it. Where, where can you get the set? Well, if you're in the time trial, you could just save, just save file. It should save it. Oh, well, it's probably just going to be like a, what, an air racing set? It's a crappy fix set. Yeah. Yeah. But at least it's something to work off of. Right. Right. Might have the right gear. <laughs> but if it's, um, you don't have to load the server to get that set. It's already, in yeah. There. It's already okay. on your computer. Um, I was going to say the one thing when you're talking about that uh, card, David, I was thinking today to myself, does that mean uh, Hendrick Motorsports has to um, switch tire manufacturers to come and do that event? Because I thought Michelin's is the only tire provider for that series. I don't think they could run a Goodyear and a Michelin on the same track. They don't they don't mix tire brands, I thought. Well, I don't know. We'll have to find out. I, I, from what I've heard today about it, because there's people talking about it, obviously, I think it's going to be a next-gen car to start with, but there, it's going to be heavily modified. You know, it's going to have different rubber. It's going to have, you know, all the the rain flaps and the the stuff for rain and and the lights and the, you know, the LED. Oh, yeah, and all I guess that it stuff. doesn't have lights or anything, does it? Right. <laughs> They're just stickers. They're just stickers. Some people were hypothesizing too that it'll be the hybrid version. Right. To prepare for the next year when NASCAR said that they would be a hybrid version. So this would be like the first chance to put it on track and test it. Is it this year they're going or next year? It's next year, not this year. Yeah, 2024 was the hybrid uh, thoughts, right? And apparently this has been done before in the past. And uh, a cup car has never finished more than seven hours of a 24-hour race, apparently. Well, that's the thing is, is that track is grueling. And, you know, those straights are really, really long, To You got to go down to low RPM and then back up. It's not like where they run at Daytona and just keep it at that RPM all the time. But I think the motors nowadays are built better than the ones that were used back in the day for those type events. Cup cars are also never designed for that level of endurance. Well, I think Junior gets asked this all the time when he does the 24-hour coverage, if they could have a NASCAR field and do this. And he said that they just have to modify the engine a little bit and a couple components in the car, and it should be able to go for a 24-hour race. Who would be the drivers? Uh, well, Gordon, maybe just all, would you get all Johnson. four of that, their normal drivers? Well, it's going to conflict with the regular cup guys, so the regular cup guys aren't going to be able to do it. They're gonna, he's going to have to get retired cup guys. Maybe Stewart and Johnson and Gordon. Gordon. Maybe Dale will go and do it. Dale Jr., right. Okay, uh, Greg Hectus, final thought. Uh, I got like two minutes to get up to my my get-her-done GT3 race here. Uh, qualifying is going to start in a couple minutes. Um, I uh, didn't get much racing at Phoenix. Uh, I just did the fast track race last week because I came home on Friday night, which would have been normal race night. Uh, but I had a headache where I couldn't even I couldn't even open my eyes. So I went to bed that night and I didn't wake up till the next morning. So um, missed out on Phoenix getting a couple uh, finishes, but uh, we'll we'll take her to Atlanta. I, I love Atlanta because it's such a driver's track and uh, get some uh, try and get us a win Friday night. All right, very good. 
Tony Groves, final thought? Well, uh, last week at Phoenix, I made the start, and Lisa did not. She did, she wasn't confident enough to, to make the start, and it was actually pretty smart. I probably should have followed her lead. Um, but she is going to be back in for tomorrow night. And it's, this is really, really cool. So we got... Um, you know, we never have a lack of things to talk about, but um, to be able to share this experience, um, it, it's worth a couple of conversations throughout the week, even with, uh, you know, like the practicing and, and stuff like that. So this is really looking forward to tomorrow night. Um, to back that up, you know, like to get a second win would be would be awesome. Top 10 would be would be absolutely great. Um, but yeah, being able to, to race beside her and be able to, you know, uh, keep checking in with each other throughout the race and stuff. Such a cool, really cool experience. Been a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's fun having her in team speak. And I'm looking forward to spotting her to a win, like uh, like I do everyone else. Yeah, yeah, that that would that be yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. You're next, Greg. We're gonna have to get you on the list. <laughs> okay, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, uh, you know Phoenix. And then, you know, Atlanta and like, man, this car is so hard to drive. Um, but to get a, a top three at, at Phoenix, man, I'm proud of that. Proud of that. But Atlanta, man, the problem is between the steering wheel and the seat, it's the driver, man. And I cannot drive uh, and get that thing to not spin out on me. And I was thinking, is this the set? Is it me? Is it the car? It, it's the car i think i see everyone else doing it i'm still finishing in the top 15 and so that's saying something alone i mean so the 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 back half of the field they're doing worse than i am so maybe it's not me and then you watch real nascar drivers they're spinning out and stuff so i don't know uh it's a little frustrating we haven't had to deal with this uh, in the last couple of years because of the ho-hum package uh, boy, well, you got to drive this thing now. It's crazy, and uh, and I guess I'll, I'll throw out one of my uh, my phrases I usually use. I mean, if it wasn't hard, nobody would do it, and so uh, that's the truth in this case. And uh, we'll just keep trying. Hey, with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.